You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you tonight's episode is SeatGeek. Our friends at SeatGeek have been with us for a long, long time. And I'm sure they will be just as happy as we are that the Bucks got a win tonight. And you can use our promo code L-O-N-B-A. Again, that's L-O-N-B-A over at SeatGeek to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go over and do that today. And if you've already used it, we'll just go to SeatGeek anyways because they'll get you great tickets for, let's say, the next three home games. The Bucks are at home on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Uh, so lots of opportunities to see the Milwaukee Bucks at home in the next week. And after tonight, Frank... I think people just might want to go out and do that. MVP! 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 <laughs> you know, the game was in Boston, so we were denied any Giannis Adetokounmpo MVP chance, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm starting to rethink my, uh, my, uh, my undertake on him finishing in the top 3.5. I uh, am not rethinking my over, Frank. Yeah, um, man. That was uh, that was a lot of fun for me, honest. Uh, I, I still, my first thought after the game was, most importantly, stayed healthy, didn't yeah. get hurt. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you have to start with Giannis in a game where uh, he starts off honestly looking like he was pressing, looking maybe a little overhyped, picking up a couple of quick fouls, um, a couple cheap fouls, <laughs> I would add. Yeah. Uh, but a couple fouls. And was look kind of looked like he was forcing things a little bit in the first five minutes. Plays through the second after the second foul, plays a couple more minutes, but then goes to the bench, which I imagine we'll see a fair bit anyway, just because of um, and we saw that last year too, where where kid does try to stagger Giannis and Chris, but um, you know only two points on a couple free throws. I think he was zero of four in the first quarter, and then uh, you know second quarter on um, he just goes crazy. I think he had what uh, thirteen points in the second quarter. 16 points in the fourth quarter, 35 in the last three quarters combined on 13 out of 18 shooting. And, um, you know, again, Giannis at one point uh, did put up a three, which back iron, but for the most part, really didn't didn't need a jump shot uh, as, as we've gotten used to. Um, his physical tools and, you know, just uh, the way the, the Celtics tried to contain him, I mean, they, they just didn't have answers for him over those last three quarters. And, um, to drop 37, 13, three assists, three steals, could have had a few more assists if guys had knocked down some open jumpers. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is why we, we keep saying this is the, the most fun time to be a Bucks fan, certainly in my lifetime. And, um, you know, knock on all the wood you can find that, uh, injuries will, uh, won't change that because, um, watching Giannis night in, night out, is just a special thing. And, um, pretty great to see him start the season off with a bang in, in Boston. Yeah. The, 
if we weren't doing this podcast, I would use a lot of uh, profanities to help multiply my thoughts on how good Giannis Tedekumbo is. Um, but he's really good. <laughs> he's really freaking good. Um, it's just tough to kind of comprehend how successful he's been able to, how successful he's been able to be with without a jump shot, really. And tonight, he just kind of accepted that, okay, you know what? You're going to play off me? That's fine. I'm still going to the basket. And you're not going to stop me. Even if you guess my move right, you're not going to stop me. And I know we joked last week about Giannis's weight and how he's not 222 like he's always been. Now he's 233 or whatever it is. And that was a joke, but he once again is stronger. Last year during this podcast, we talked again and again and again about how he could catch underneath, pivot a couple times, and actually handle himself he could actually get through that contact and finish with a dunk and now it's gone even a step higher as he's making dribble moves starting to get into a shot and just having defenders bounce off him uh, they they uh, eventually figured it out tonight the first one they called on him should have been a continuation and one uh to start the night but instead it was they call it a foul, uh, but then as the night went on, the officials kind of figured out, like, oh, yeah, uh, he's just a freak of nature. He's not putting his shoulder down. Um, he's not pushing off. He's And there would be times where he would literally put the ball right in front of the defender, like just use it to bounce him off, and they wouldn't grab it from him. They wouldn't be able to because, I mean, obviously his hands are, I don't know, two feet. Uh, so... It was it was just a really impressive performance, and again, if you're if you're wondering if he could improve all of the things from last year, yeah, I think he might be able to improve in every single category. Thirty seven tonight, uh, thirteen rebounds, three assists, three steals, no blocks on the night, unfortunately, uh, but thirteen free throws. And if he's able to get to the line more, if he's able to get more of those calls, if he's able to continue to finish through contact, like he's he's going to be a handful, and it's just going to be tough for defenses to stop him. And the to the Bucks' credit, I think they did quite a bit tonight to kind of leverage that. I, I, I haven't looked up the advanced stats yet, but I would assume his usage was above 30%, uh, and we'll see a bump there. Um, and I think that'll be the way it'll be all season long. So you're going to see some more usage. Uh, you're going to see him getting used in a variety of ways. We saw some Middleton Giannis pick and rolls. Uh, we saw him uh, at the elbow a ton tonight. Uh, we saw him being able to just dribble up and make some things happen. We saw the Bucks push it in transition, and that allowed him to get some easy baskets. And he was getting easy baskets even though in those situations even not on the break, it would be in semi-transition and he would pull the ball out. He would happen to be covered by Thies, Thies, I'm not 100%, Tice, Tice, Tice. Uh, and it was just like, okay, well, this is going to be a basket. You you don't have a chance. Like, what, like, what are you doing? Uh, it, it reminded me of the, oh man, this is a really bad reference. The one Austin Powers movie where the anonymous guy like spinning a wrench comes over he's like oh come on you don't even have a name what what are you doing like no just fall down just fall down you don't have a chance 
that was literally what it was like uh, when you see some of these defenders. And if the Bucks keep doing those things and putting them in those situations, yeah, MVP talk is not crazy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it again. You know, um, the the fact that he is obviously the clear leader of this team um, is is a is a key piece of this from that kind of MVP equation because you know the Bucks are going to rely on him tremendously. They're going to need him to stay healthy. I keep coming back to that, given everything that we're seeing with with injuries, both yep. um, mainly NBA, but obviously uh, Wisconsinites uh, with with Aaron Rodgers things uh, on their minds as well. Um, but in, not just a Giannis story tonight. He's obviously the main headline. Um, I, I think the other the, the kind of next thing I'd want to hit on was the point guard matchup, and you know we talked about how Malcolm Brogdon had a quiet preseason and. Uh, that didn't really necessarily worry us very much, um, and and I guess we were right. Uh, we we yeah. mentioned, you know, the the uh, kind of what one of the turning point games I think in his rookie of the year campaign last year for Malcolm Brogdon was that big game where he played such a crucial role in helping the Bucks win late in the season in Boston, and uh, he did it again tonight. Uh, and and you know, really in a very typical kind of quiet Malcolm Brogdon kind of way, no. You know, spectacular, you know, he obviously can dunk. We know he throws down some nasty dunks from time to time. But, you know, a very under-controlled performance tonight. 19 points on just 10 shots. He hits three out of five threes. He hits all four of his free throws, four assists. And some assists. of those threes are off the dribble, Frank. Yes, he hit a, he was at least one three off the dribble, Two. which was awesome Two. to see. Um, and more importantly, uh, obviously it wasn't just him slowing down Kyrie Irving. That is, you know, a gang-tackling sort of team-type activity. You got to give credit to not just Malcolm, but I think Tony Snell and and Donati Delvadova in particular. We'll get to Delhi in a moment too. But um, you know, Kyrie tonight just seven out of twenty-five in his home debut, two out of seven from three, just a couple free throws, three assists, three turnovers, uh, seventeen points, and you know, I mean, I thought the Bucks just did a very nice job, uh, kind of just keeping him contained. You know, I mean, you think of him like a like a running back or something like that. You just try to keep contain on him. And I think for the most part, you know, the Bucks were able to do that much of the night and um, made those kind of mid-range jumpers, made those contested shots that Kyrie often makes, made those just a little bit more difficult. Bucks using their length and um, and swarming abilities, and uh, you know, you can't really say enough about what the Bucks did defensively uh, against Kyrie in, in his home debut. And um, you know, I, I I mean, I guess I guess I I would have said it's not crazy that Malcolm Brogdon might have outplayed Kyrie Irving tonight. You know, I guess that, that's like a possible thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. But the idea that both Mal- Malcolm and let's let's be honest, Matthew Delvadova had a better more game yeah. than Kyrie Irving as well uh, against his former Cavs teammate. Uh, that I probably would not have bought the idea that both Bucks guard, point guards would have done that. But um, Delhi, uh, not to be uh, not to be overlooked, 15 points on 10 shots, uh, a couple threes, including a huge three late in the game. Giannis uh, drawing traffic. Uh, in the paint, kicked it out, and Delhi hit a big three um, that extended the lead. I think it was was that from two to five. I want to say yeah. um, late in the game, ninety nine, so, ninety seven to one hundred two, ninety seven. Yeah, so Delhi did a nice job there. Um, and uh, again, you know, if Delhi can do that kind of stuff, he's not going to give you this every night. But if he can, you know, score fifteen points a couple times a week, you know, <laughs> once a week, twice a week, uh, and uh, and give you kind of smart plays, we can talk maybe a bit about some of the actions they were running. Um, cause the offense, you know, it, it got the job done and down the, down the stretch. And obviously that's something that we 
weren't able to say as much last year. So um, the point guard play I thought was was really good last, uh, really good tonight, and um, certainly that's that's going to be a big theme for the Bucks because we often talk about point guard play not being yep. the strong suit of the Bucks, and when they get you know solid performances like this, efficient scoring, uh, and guys really playing off of Giannis, well, um, that's a big story. Brogdon plus ten, Delhi plus eight. Um, Tough to find much to complain about with those two. Stan Van would have been proud of the Bucks' effort on Kyrie tonight <laughs> because they formed an effing wall at all times. And again, obviously, I always kind of make jokes about uh, the Bucks' bench and Sweeney and Kid always telling people to get over to the other side of the lane, make sure you're getting your 2.9, make sure you're on that spot. And my God, there was times where John Henson in that fourth quarter once – once the Bucks kind of got a lead and Kyrie was really thinking like, okay, I need to take this game over. Henson wasn't even close to Al Horford. He had no idea where Al Horford was, but he was on Kyrie's side of the ball uh, or on his side of the floor. And he was going to be by the ball and make sure that Kyrie saw bodies everywhere he went. And yeah, the, it was a really nice job by them. And, we talked about it a little bit before the game, uh, but that's kind of this this type of team is what you're kind of thinking the Bucks can can make struggle. That they are that type of team that's going to struggle against the Bucks because they have a point guard who can be a bit reticent to pass at times. Um, and I think certainly we saw that with Irving tonight, seven or twenty five, only three assists, three turnovers as well, and they don't. We talked about it. They don't have guys that can hit threes anymore, and that's significant. That that is, and I mean, they even had a not terrible night. Like Jalen Brown was two of three from three. That's pretty decent for him. Uh, but Marcus Smart three of seven again, pretty decent. And Terry Rozier again three for five. So they had some guys hit some threes there, eleven of twenty eight on the night. But for the most part, you're living with most of those. It, okay, yeah, if you want to make that pe- one, we're going to make it really hard on you, Kyrie, and then two, if you make that pass, we're probably going to live with Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart bombing away from the corners. So this was a night where the Bucks' defense was going to look good, I think, and I think for the most part, it did end up looking pretty good. Um, I think uh, looking at the advanced stats, Offensive rating about uh or defensive rating excuse me of 106 or 100.6 excuse me for the Bucks tonight so pretty solid night there and yeah the I think they were aggressive they were overhelping um, in nights like tonight are are the nights that it could work and offensively you look at those two combined they're 10 of 20 from the field they're five of nine from three and they're nine of nine from the free throw line. That'll do it. That'll absolutely do it when they're playing as long as they are with Giannis and with Middleton. And those two guys were, I think, staggered entirely tonight. I don't think there was any point where both of them were off the floor. So if they're playing with one of those two and can be that secondary playmaker and be uh, and have a positive impact, yeah, they're, they're going to be able to survive at the point guard position. And for a lot of tonight, they did more than survive. There there was certainly times where Brogdon thrived at the point guard position. Um, so they had a really nice night there, and obviously that was a big reason why they got the win. If you can hold Kyrie Irving to 17 points on 25 shots, 
you're doing pretty well. Yeah, and um, look, I'm looking at the shot chart, which uh, again, you know, there might be some inaccuracy in this, but um, looks like the Celtics were two out of five on corner threes tonight. Um, so, you know, we talked last year, the Bucks giving up nine corner threes uh, per game last year uh, attempted. Um, so yeah. fewer tonight. Uh, it seemed like in the first quarter they were, you know, like we, we often talk about, oh, they, they can't stop corner threes. It seemed like on Marcus Smart's first couple attempts, they were just flat out like <laughs> disinterested, conceding and, it, yes. like daring him to totally shoot agree. that shot. Um, and you know, he's three out of seven, obviously is very good for Marcus smart, 42%. Um, and some guys hit some shots and, you know, Terry Rozier, I thought looked very good. Certainly Agreed. a lot better than, than Kyrie Irving. Um, often joked about, uh, is Terry Rozier for, for the fact that, you know, supposedly Danny that's why Danny won't to, trade him. That's why Danny won't trade him. But, uh, but yeah, he was, you know, really the only guy off the bench that looked like, um, and I mean, Baines is solid, right? Baines is yeah. fine, but um, but Rozier really the only guy off the bench. Rozier tonight. That's a really nice night. Yeah, I mean, Rozier really the only guy off the bench who looks like a guy you would want to see in a playoff bench rotation, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, again, you know, even if, um, you know, Marcus Morris, obviously, you want him to come back at some point. He'll he'll get healthy at some point. That'll help, but um, they're obviously in, in kind of a weird spot, and um smart you know again smart's like it was the same way last night he shot a horrible percentage but was gen you know was generally pretty impactful yep. tonight four out of 13 he makes only one out of six inside the arc um one out of six free throws uh seven rebounds four assists three steals three turnovers uh generally pissed off everyone in his vicinity <laughs> uh got into it with delhi at one point when delhi I think Delhi. So Delhi, uh, if people didn't see it, Delhi sort of put his shoulder into uh, Smart, setting a screen. Smart flops, and then Smart immediately jumps up and gets into Delhi. It, it kind of looked like Delhi didn't even see him when he was turning, but I kind of feel like Delhi knew he was there and yeah. like, wanted to get his. I kind of think Delhi might have wanted to get his money worth. And shout out to Delhi, get your money's worth. Nobody, yeah. nobody's gonna feel bad for Marcus Smart flopping around and <laughs> you know and being pissed off when he gets. Uh, when he draws a foul, but, but yeah, um, in my notes, uh, for like good and bad things I had under bad, uh, F Marcus smart. Cause <laughs> he's just, just so annoying. Um, I mean, I would like to have him on my team, but he's just sure. very annoying to play against. Yes, yes, he so, is. um, so yeah, interesting. And I thought, you know, again, the Cavs coming off, uh, an emotional night yesterday, back to back, um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon at the halftime interview, Talked about trying to push tempo, and that's I think another theme. Uh, the pace number, for- man they they were doing it in the first half, man. That second quarter, they were legitimately pushing the pace. And I was joking about it with Matt Velasquez a little bit on Twitter, but I've heard the Bucks say, "Oh yeah, we want to push the pace." I don't know, close to triple digit times in the time that I've been covering the team in the last two years, and now going to my third year. Probably heard it a hundred plus times. I don't know if I've ever once felt as convinced that they want to push the pace as I did tonight watching them in the second quarter. Yeah, it seemed like in Brogdon said as much that, you know, the Celtics figured to be a little tired and kind of spent emotionally from obviously everything that's happened in the last 24 hours. And, um, you know, it's one of those interesting games, you know, the pace number, uh, which is, again, a measure of the, the team's combined number of possessions, 99, that's high. Um, but the, you know, interesting thing, only four fast break points for the Bucks, only six for the Celtics. 
so neither team really getting out and getting quick, easy buckets. But that, that's obviously not the only measure of, of pace. So it's interesting to kind of look at both numbers because it did seem like the Bucks tried to get up the court quickly, tried to get into offense quickly, tried to take advantage of the Celtics before they could really kind of get their defense set. And obviously, you know, that's that's a recipe that, you know, pretty much every coach will nod their head and say makes sense. And obviously not every team does it. So it'll be interesting to see if um, if the Bucks do do that more consistently, because certainly with with Chris Middleton and Greg Monroe being major pieces in this, you know, after the Jabari injury felt like the Bucks. Well, and statistically, they did slow down. They got fewer yeah. fast break points, they played slower after um, Jabari went down, which kind of makes sense. But um, we'll be interested to see if uh, if it uh, how they kind of approach that moving forward. Ironically enough, the four fast break points are Chris Middleton. Yeah, that's right. Of the, all the people. He, he, like, he is the only one that got fast break points tonight, which is just kind of crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, when you talk about pace, it isn't necessarily getting out and getting layups. Though it can be, and ideally that's what it is, is that you're just going to get open layups and you're going to take free points. Uh, but a lot of the times it's being willing to shoot early in the shot clock and again, second quarter, it felt like they were really willing to do that. They were willing to to take quick looks, and obviously, uh, those shots didn't always go in. I know. I think Delhi had a couple. Mirza might have had one or two where they took early looks, and they weren't good. Um, or I guess I shouldn't say not good. They were open-ish, but still a little covered. Maybe not something you'd want that early in the clock. But that's how you truly push the pace. Is you have to take shots earlier in the shot clock and you have to believe that those are good shots. Um, and I mean, I'm a big believer that open shots are good whenever you get them. It doesn't matter if it's in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. There's no reason to hold it out for a better one 10 seconds later. Go ahead and shoot it right away. And and I thought largely they did that. Um, and yeah, that that second quarter was quick. The pace overall tonight was quick. And uh, I wrote something about it quick during halftime about what they were doing with the pace. But it was uh, coming into this year's draft, everyone would marvel at how how often Lonzo Ball would throw the ball ahead. Like he would make that pass to the wing. And you don't get assists for it. You're you're never really going to be able to show a statistical significance from doing that. There's nothing that's going to show up in your stat line, but that is what pushes the pace. And tonight they were looking for it all the time, and it didn't it didn't seem to matter if it was a pass ahead to Giannis, which is against the Raptors last year in the playoffs. They did that a ton, and then the Raptors just started covering Giannis right away, so they couldn't pitch it ahead. It would be Brogdon, it would be Middleton. I think even Tony Snell got into the mix on catching the pass that went ahead but yeah if you can if you can push it like that and be willing to do that at all times uh that really puts the defense on their heels and that that creates some of those cross matches that with a mismatched nightmare like Giannis if you can start a possession with just one cross match somewhere on the floor it's going to go so well for you uh, that again, it might take you a little bit out of your rhythm, uh, but at the same time, if you can somehow get uh, a big on Giannis, if you can somehow get a point guard on Giannis because you push it up quickly in transition, that is such a huge advantage for this Bucks team. Yeah, and I think um, you know the getting an offense early was was is a major plus. I think um, you know one area where that usually breaks down is in fourth quarters, and I think that's why obviously. This team has often struggled. Playing yeah. slow is is not a thing that they're they're good at when they're being methodical, or at least it hasn't historically been that. Um, 
Tonight, it's a different story. In the fourth quarter, as you mentioned, 32 to 20 is the advantage in the fourth quarter. Bucks may be taking care of or taking advantage of some, you know, tired Cavalier or sorry, Cavalier, so tired Celtics legs. Um, but I thought, you know, especially there were some really nice pick and roll actions um, that, you know, basically delivered some of the highlights of the fourth quarter. And the first two maybe really weren't highlights, but it was just simple before. Um, uh, I think this was before Chris might have come back into the game. Um, but or no, he played the whole game, right? But um, it was the whole with, second half. Yeah. Yeah, whole second half. Sorry, not whole game. Um, but it was close Delhi. though. Yeah, it was <laughs> before. Sorry, before John Henson of all people fin- came back and finished the game, which is the most Jason Kidd thing to happen tonight. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about him in a second too. But um, Delhi, when when the Bucks enter the fourth quarter, they're down. They're playing a little bit of uh, you know trying to come back and and really kind of get back into the game. Uh, they had a couple nice middle pick and rolls with Delhi and Greg Monroe. Uh, Delhi created a nice angle. Monroe was able to get a nice head of steam coming down the lane. Twice drew fouls. Greg misses the first two free throws, then makes the next two. Um, so, again, doesn't show up on the statute as an assist for Delhi, but a couple nice plays from him. And then the two kind of big highlight reel plays uh, from Giannis. Uh, the first, I mean, well, I mean, it's really one play. It was just <laughs> incredible. Just yeah. a, uh, a nice screen uh, a nice pick and roll Giannis you know we talked to you talked about uh you were joking on Twitter in the first half how Giannis was not short rolling anything of his deli pick and rolls in the first half yeah. um he got a a screen or he set a screen with Brogdon um and uh, you know he I, you will not see Giannis roll harder than you did probably on this play <laughs> he went sprinting to the rim uh measured his steps and climb, climbed uh, Mount Aaron Baines um, to catch. I mean, he was fouled. I don't know how you don't call a foul on it. To catch. The whistle drops with, out of your mouth because you're so yeah, amazed. Like, how did he do that? Oh, whoops, I forgot to call the foul. Right. And he catches with two hands, dunks with one over Aaron Baines. He got fouled. Um, that was the, like, you know, <laughs> was, among many, that was the ultimate jaw dropper from Giannis tonight. Um, it was like a to, wide receiver going up to, like, catch a touchdown yeah. and take it away from a defender and then throw the ball through the hoop. And then it dunk was... the ball. And then dunk the ball. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, we joke about, I joke a lot about, or not joke, but, you know, mention a lot about how the, the league going small should be advantageous for Giannis. And ironically, like, two of his biggest dunks came like right on Aaron Baines tonight who's the yeah. biggest guy on uh, on the Celtics roster but uh, that play and then a really nice play Giannis sets an initial screen on the left wing Delhi goes middle gets another screen from Henson Celtics defense a little off kilter they don't cover Giannis on the backside they get a nice alley-oop from Giannis or from Delhi to Giannis um, for the dunk and that was a, you know I think it was a second dunk on an open in succession so two different types of pick and rolls coming from sort of going different directions with different, different you know plays. sort of the first one was he's, Brogdon yeah yeah so I thought that was that was a cool little uh, thing to kind of look at you know shout out to Joe Prunty um, you know Brad Stevens obviously always lauded for uh, for his offensive coaching wizardry. Um, so we got to give a little shout out to uh, Joe Prunty, the uh, the Bucks offensive architect, for having you know, getting uh, getting them into position to make some plays in the fourth quarter. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I feel like uh, well, La- we I was talk- gonna s- no, Go I was going to say largely. I I think I liked eighty percent of the looks the Bucks got tonight maybe even more like everything 
looked really good. And obviously there was some missed open threes. Middleton airballed that one, then missed another one at the at the top of the key. I think Tony Snell missed oh Tony Snell missed one right at the end of the third quarter. Like they got some really nice looks and just they didn't fall tonight and and that'll be the case sometimes uh but for the most part i thought the spacing was really good i thought they were able to create looks for Giannis in different situations whether that would be a sideline iso whether that would be a touch at the elbow whether that would be uh Giannis middleton pick and roll which we haven't seen a ton of in the past um there, there was just a, a wide variety of ways that Giannis was involved offensively, and obviously, if it's if it's a diverse set of opportunities and looks for Giannis, it, it's just going to be really tough to cover because you can't just say, okay, well, you know, they're going to set that high pick and roll, we'll ice it, we'll try to get it out of his hands. Well, no, you can't really do that with Giannis because they can put him a million different places, try to get switches, try to have Delhi screen for him on the baseline and, and get him underneath and get a post up. Like there's just a lot that you can do with them. So yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, shout out to Prunty, whoever's drawing stuff up for the bucks. Cause that I thought there was some really interesting and diverse looks for Giannis tonight. Yeah. And, and in contrast, you know, the, the Celtics are, had so much success with kind of dribble handoffs, getting Isaiah Thomas, the ball in motion where he can pull up for threes or attack. And, and, you know, again, either get to the rim or kick out if he draws attention um, last year and thinking obviously is that, you know, that'll do wonders for Kyrie Irving this year. But, um, you know, I thought Bucks, well, for the most part, did a very nice job, obviously, containing Kyrie. And um, obviously the shooting line, you know, Kyrie can make difficult shots. So you, there's always a fair bit of luck and just Kyrie maybe having an off night. But um, you, you got to say, I mean, he was not missing wide open shots for the most part tonight. The Bucks were getting good contests. And, you know, one of those guys um, who got a good contest had a big block on Kyrie in the fourth quarter. John Henson, who all of us have been assuming – is not really going to play except when Jason Kidd randomly plays him in the like second quarter and then we don't see him again in the game. Um, John Henson, of all people, comes in, plays the second half of the fourth quarter and made some good plays defensively, had that big block on Kyrie. And, yep. um, you know, again, not a eye-popping stat line or anything from, from John Henson. Two out of two uh, shooting, five points, six boards, two assists. Four blocks, one turnover in 17 minutes. He was a plus seven on the court. Um, that was encouraging to see just, you know, again, um, to get something out of Henson. Uh, Thon, Thon was active defensively. I, you know, I don't think he was was bad defensively or anything like that. Didn't really get into the game offensively. Badly missed a three uh, early in the game. Um, did hit a little, uh, an interesting little uh, hook shot early, I think in the third quarter. But little dream shake action. Little, little dream shake uh, action. And then, Threw up kind of an awkward uh, hook shot shortly thereafter, but um, only 14 minutes from Thon, so kind of more of rookie of rookie year Thon in terms of his usage. Um, and Greg Monroe only 17 minutes. So um, ironically, John Henson gets basically exactly one third of the minutes at center tonight. He played 17 uh, and and played well. And again, I uh, you know I shudder to think that this is going to be a regular thing because it really doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But again, you know you got to give John Henson credit. They called his number, and um, you know he helped them play some good defense down the stretch, and 
Um, hopefully when he, when his number is called, Thon, or John Henson plays well, but uh, we'll see how often that is. Yeah, it was kind of weird that they split it up in quarters and 33% of the minutes. And Speaking of 33%, I don't know if you can get 33% off on the season opener. That's obviously going to be a tough ticket, but I think a lot of times at SeatGeek, you could probably get 33% off or maybe even more than that from face value because they search out the best deals for you. They are finding every deal on every ticket website and putting it on their own and then they put it on the app and it's easy to see it's easy to use and you can see if you're getting a great deal on SeatGeek so I would say go out and do that especially because the Bucks have three home games coming up in a row here and you should be able to find a great deal and if you've never used SeatGeek before you can use our promo code and to use our promo code all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app go to the settings tab on the settings tab, go to enter a promo code, enter promo code L-O-N-B-A. Again, that's L-O-N-B-A, and that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and do that today, or just go get yourself some tickets, because the Bucks are going to be at home. And that's, I mean, you saw tonight, uh, you saw what they look like in Boston, so go check them out in Milwaukee. I'm sure Giannis will have eight more highlights uh, on Friday night and maybe eight more on Saturday and ten more on Monday. Um, so be sure to go get some tickets. Looking at those three, um, the, so I, I guess this is what I struggle with. Going into the season, I think both of us had some reservations thinking Jan, or th- excuse me thinking Thon was going to play much more than 20 minutes a night. Um I think both of us thought it, it there could be nights certainly where he plays 15, there could be nights where maybe he plays 25, but ultimately he's probably around 20. I can't remember if we did an over under on this um cuz I'm forgetful like that, but I, I think, is this the time where we, we have the talk with everyone that you should probably be prepared for nights like this? Because I think it seems likely that there are going to be nights where Thon only plays 15 minutes. And I know everyone hates that. Um, obviously, I had everyone in the world tweet me about how Thon should be playing more in the first half. And I just think the Bucks are going to continue to move along slowly on this developmental plan. Uh, I think last year they were shocked that he even played at all. And when we talked to Thon after the season, he said that the plan was the build maker plan or whatever he called it, where he was just going to be lifting weights. He was never going to play. And they were just going to try to build him up for a year so that he'd be NBA ready. And then he played in 50 games last year. And then he played in the playoffs and he was able to get some minutes and, Again, we talked about how I was a little bit concerned that people were thinking he was going to take a much larger jump in minutes and he was going to see the floor quite a bit more and he was going to score a bunch more points. And I was hoping that people had kind of understood that there's a chance that they're going to bring him along very slowly. Uh, But my mentions tonight would suggest that people were not thinking that at all. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect to see that much John Henson on opening night, but sure, you know, sure. again, there's there's uh there's just no telling what you know you might see night in and night out from Kid, and uh, obviously, I think if we know anything, it's as much as he may not view John Henson like every other Bucks coach that's had him as you know a worthy starter or mm-hmm. uh, even consistent minute guy. Um, he does think enough of Henson to to play him and 
they probably, you know, if they're ever going to be able to get off his contract, they probably need to let him play and see if he can try to string together some good play. And again, you know, I mean, this is, I think, to kids' credit, you know, I mean, I think when you do, when you do get guys and you you have you are able to throw them in the fire and get them to provide you decent minutes. Um, I mean, I think that does speak well of a coach, right? I mean, people complain obviously about kids' rotations and guys randomly playing a lot, but if guys play randomly and they respond, then I think that's obviously a positive. And tonight, certainly that that was the case. So um, hopefully that keeps up. I would like to see obviously more of Thon. We both yeah. took the under uh, when we said 24 minutes. We both took the under on Thon. Um, certainly over an average full season on average i don't feel bad about that call at all um and again you know hopefully it'll just be you know they'll just continue to build them up build them up and you know a year ago we we never dreamed that thon would be starting games playing any minutes um (laughs) no so and uh, to be clear i'm not advocating for henson to play this much i don't enjoy watching that if there's one thing that i've made i think abundantly clear in my time on this podcast and on the brew podcast that's not something I enjoy watching. I don't enjoy watching John Henson play. Um, so I, I just want to be clear on that. But I do think everyone just kind of has to understand that there's probably going to be nights like this for Thon. Obviously, we all want him to play more. Um, but I, I think at the end of the season, you're probably going to see him around 20 minutes. Like you said, there's a reason why we both took the under on 24 minutes per game for Thon. Um, he's got to build up and figure out how he can he can get to those minutes. Hopefully we see him a bunch more on Friday and Saturday um, and maybe we get to see John Henson a little bit less. But yeah, um, for having such a deep rotation and for finding guys that can sometimes make contributions, I think it's frustrating a lot of times the fans that there is that inconsistency, but I think it through an 82-game NBA season, it appears that guys don't get really frustrated about playing time. Um, I think that's one thing that kids' kind of crazy rotations can do is that all those guys kind of enjoy being a part of everything and knowing that they can get in the mix and make some plays and have a chance. So, yeah, it, it's not... <laughs> I understand everyone's fr- frustration, but I think it's certainly something that uh, we'll see more going forward. Would I have liked it to be 28 minutes for Greg Monroe and just six minutes for John Henson? If I was only going to get to see Thon for 13 or for 14, sure. Uh, but that wasn't the case, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to change. Yeah, all right. Looking at bad things, I think certainly the 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 two things kind of in the box score, like from a team level, that that certainly kind of stuck out to me were. Um, just the fact that the Bucks, especially in the second half, really slowed down and could not really find the range from three, the three-point line. They finished yep. just seven out of twenty-one for the game. I, I could have sworn they were five out of ten at one point in the first half. I think that's true. Um, yeah, and then at one point they were five out of eighteen in the second half. And fortunately, they make a couple of huge threes late. Brogdon and Delvadova. They make two of their last three threes. Yep. Um, Middleton, you mentioned missing some open ones. Tony Snell missed uh, that really wide open beautiful corner three up opportunity off a of Giannis uh move uh in the th- end of the third quarter um so yeah the three-point shooting certainly especially compared to that game on Friday against the Pistons where they were just putting everything up and everything was going in um good reminder that you know the Bucks are still going to look like the old Bucks at times uh and you know again tonight 56 points in the paint they did surrender 50 as well so only plus six in the paint but um certainly 
uh, that was uh, uh, the area where they uh, did got their, you know, basically help win the game and getting to the line as well. Twenty five out of thirty from the line versus just eleven out of twenty one um, for Boston. So that's a plus. Um, yep. Three point shooting was a downer, and then also the turnovers. Um, you know, fifteen is not a crazy high number, uh, but they had three more turnovers than Boston. And Chris and Giannis were the main culprits. Both of them had five, and just just some kind of carelessness uh you know especially kind of in that like like attacking from sort of the mid post and the mid-range area kind of trying to get to the rim guys being able to kind of poke balls away and uh just a little bit loose and i thought boston in general did a really nice job kind of getting in passing lanes and being disruptive they had 12 steals um and uh certainly hopefully we'll see the bucks kind of tidy things up a bit even as the game went on i think they tidy things up uh, a bit but certainly the turnovers um were a problem chris did have six assists kind of a it was it was kind of reminded me of the first game of the toronto series and that chris shot really poorly <laughs> but you know he finishes with 15 nine boards six assists two steals bucks win he's a plus 10 which is a team high um so you know it's one of those things that kind of very typical like chris middleton even when he doesn't have a shot just figures out some way that things tend to break well when he's on the court but certainly the passing uh i thought could have been could have been tighter um 19 assists on 38 made field goals which is a pretty low rate just 50 percent for the bucks um so again i'm sure they would like to get that higher but uh you know again guys guys were making plays off the dribble tonight uh in particular Giannis, obviously and uh you know they're obviously able to overcome it but certainly in three-point shooting and, and those turnovers definitely areas we you'd like to see them tidy up and here's the thing chris middleton was one of five from three tonight i've seen chris middleton be one of five from three on a night Typically, by the end of the season, he ends up being a 40% three-point shooter. Um, So, yeah. And I guess I think, obviously, that's one thing that always drives people crazy. And obviously, since I am a Middleton defender man, um, people will always kind of hop into my mentions about it. Um, But as we were talking about tonight, it's like, yeah, he has missed some threes. And he airballed a wide-open corner three, which is just insane for me to think of Chris Middleton, someone that talented doing that. Um, but he was a plus four at the time. He, he was plus 10 overall. Like, like you said, it that is one of the nice things about Chris is that even on nights when he's not shooting, he just kind of finds a way to, to be positive, which from a second option, maybe you would just prefer that he can get buckets and that's never going to go away. Um, but I think it's pretty nice that he can struggle like he did from the field and still end up having a nice night. But yeah, the three point shooting again, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, there was looks pretty much all night that I thought, okay, those are good looks. That is exactly what you want. And they just didn't fall. And, and there's going to be nights like that. And a lot of times on those nights, you're going to struggle to win the game. And, that wasn't the case tonight. Bucks, despite those struggles from behind the line, were able to to pull out a victory, and they did it by kind of just relentlessly attacking and getting to the free throw line and hitting their free throws and uh, just taking care of business late in that game. A, a 32-20 to 20 fourth quarter. Um, pretty much, I mean, you don't want to see the 27-18 third quarter, but a 32-20 fourth quarter is... How you want to finish out a game? So, uh, a pretty nice night there. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on tonight, Frank? Yeah. So, uh, just checking Twitter here as we were talking. Um, all the Bucks at all the Bucks. Friend of the pod uh, noted that uh, Giannis had a nearly forty percent usage tonight. Um, so, 
That was. Uh, I, I felt hey. confident saying above thirty, but 40, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, and and you know, unfortunately, five of those turnovers also count toward his usage. So, uh, hopefully, he yeah. turns some of those into <laughs> in the made buckets next time. But, um, but uh, just just for reference, um, I think other things we didn't like. Um, you know, again, three point range. I don't know if they were that bad. There were some certainly some open threes. You know, there were some some decent looks at corner threes. Mostly players that don't necessarily scare you that much from three, as you mentioned. Yep. Um, but eleven out of twenty eight, obviously, especially compared to that seven to twenty one mark for the Bucks, you're certainly playing at a deficit from the three point line tonight. Um, I think the other thing too is, uh, you know, one of the things we've bemoaned um, at various points is, you know, how many bodies the Bucks throw at opposing. Uh, players in the post uh tonight was no exception uh smart you know smart really took it smart again shot poorly last night in cleveland um but there was a period you know like a a few possessions where he just obliterated kyle corver in the post (laughs) he's really good at it yeah i mean he just uses his body he's really savvy about it and tonight there were a couple occasions where the bucks you know just seemed to try to head it off and try to double early and you know there was that one play where Giannis kind of got caught in between and then he decided to to trap with Middleton and it's just like you know you're using Chris and Giannis against Smart who then tries to draw a foul throws off the backboard and then you've got nobody underneath so so Tice I believe got the rebound and put back so you know again (laughs) it's just like if you can just play honest defense against the post you know the the law of averages and the law of you know post post touches not being high efficiency um, will tell you that you'll generally come out uh, on the positive end. Um, so far, you know, again, Bucks probably being a little overly aggressive there. Tonight, it doesn't kill them. They end up winning, you know, the defense, the 100.8 uh, defensive rating number is great in the grand, you know, relative to average. So you take that any night. Um, but again, uh, obviously, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen night to night. And uh, we will see if the Bucks defense can uh, can can maintain that. Because certainly, again, as we've said, the Bucks want to be a contender in the East. And, you know, again, I think nothing in these first two nights has made me feel any less optimistic about that. I certainly am feeling more optimistic about that the last two days than I did at any point before um, with watching how the Cavs are playing, watching the the Celtics without Gordon Hayward and seeing the Bucks, you know, go in and just take care of business tonight. I think, uh, you know, again, it's we're, we're at ridiculously small sample sizes for the season. But, um, you know, uh, always good to start with a win. And, and now you head into this weekend, um, you know, if you can get at least a split of these two games on a back to back, you know, you feel OK. Uh, yep. Ideally, you win both. I mean, if you can take it and and beat the Caps on Friday, um, that would be a hell of a statement game. But then you got to follow it up and and take care of business against the Blazers as well. So um, NBA basketball is back. I'm excited, man. Um, uh, it's it's hard not to be if you're a Bucks fan right now. It's funny to think, and again, we talked about it before this game, but man, I would have been terrified with the defensive scheme and how many corner threes they give up to play the Celtics and the Cavs to start the season. And the Blazers. All three of those teams. You think, oh man, yeah, they're just going to just live in the corners and throw up a bunch of threes. And wasn't really the case tonight with Boston because I think maybe that's not going to be the case for them this season. Uh, or maybe it will be once they figure things out a little bit more. And as we talked about last night, well, maybe it's not the case with the Cavs either. If they're going to continue to start... Rose and Wade and have them play a whole lot. 
maybe it's not there either. Maybe maybe Portland's the night where all of a sudden I'm really going to freak out as Nurkic is finding guys in, in the corner for three and Caleb Swanigan is coming off the bench and doing the same thing and then we all get really frustrated. But it's just it's it's strange how much the, the landscape has changed with player movement, but now how these two teams have changed uh, because of that player movement and the other people that they decided to bring in. So uh, it'll be an interesting weekend to watch, and I certainly look forward to it. Anything else, Frank? You good? That's it. We sleep well tonight, Bucks fans. And uh, I guess you'll be hearing this on Thursday. So enjoy your Thursday. And uh, man, game one of eighty-two. Uh, couldn't couldn't ask for for a whole lot more. Let's uh, let's hope uh, games two and three this weekend uh, deliver similarly. Bucks win 108-100 over the Boston Celtics. Giannis Dedekumbo goes for 37 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. Malcolm Brogdon, 19 points, 4 assists in 41 minutes, a plus 10 overall. And Chris Middleton, 15 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists, a plus 10 as well in 43 minutes. That is going to be it for us on this Wednesday night. We will talk to you tomorrow. A big thanks to SeatGeek for bringing you this episode. You can use our promo code LONBA. Again, that's LONBA for Lockdown NBA and get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. We will talk to you tomorrow.